Podcast, where we are becoming better DJs through passion and purpose. And now your host, David Michael. Hey everybody, welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast, and I am not David Michael. <laughs> this is, of course, Trip Turlington, and today we are continuing our Ask Us Anything session from last week's episode. You guys sent in some great questions, and those spawned a lot of great conversations, so much so that we uh, felt that it was appropriate to split it up into two episodes rather than try to cram it all into one. So let's jump back in where we left off with Kilma peeling back the layers and getting to a really emotional topic. Tacos. <laughs> Here we go. Um, Kilma asks, do you guys avoid eating things like tacos before recording these sessions? No. <laughs> we I have actually made tacos before recording right. sessions. Yeah. We, sta we stack up. <laughs> That's right. I wait, I wait till after because I hit Taco Bell on the way home. That's yep. true. Yeah. You know what's funny is I got, let me read this text I just got from my wife. Quote, I think I'm going to need some Taco Supremes later. <laughs> <laughs> and I think my wife even uh, responded somewhere about uh, which essential oils I'm going to diffuse yes. to counter <laughs> the, the, the tacos. So what is it? Because I see it running. Yep, it's uh, <laughs> lavender, orange, and cinnamon. I don't know. Mm. I just grab them and just start it's pouring lovely. stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. What the hell am I going to do now that iTunes isn't going to be able to, is going to let me download stuff anymore? Well, is that where you buy music to DJ? For a lot of my corporate stuff, yes. And I, and I just, I just, I just loaded up my iTunes like the day before that article came out. So. If I were you, I would be thinking a lot about Pulse Locker or Spotify. Like using Didn't Pulse Locker, like go no, under. It's, it's so becoming they got bought out by Beatport. Yeah, Beatport. Yeah. Oh, but I'm not 100 percent sure how exactly that that works yet. But yeah, Beatport scooped hmm. him up. Um, yeah, I don't know. It it seems like um, there's I, some I, research I have to do because I don't know if like I can quote purchase these songs and and, right. and cash them. And cue point them, or how does this shit? Work? I'm a little like I'm in denial right now that it's going to happen. Yeah, but I know I need to address it because of the four of us. I think this affects me the most. Yeah, probably. You know? yeah. I, so. I was talking with somebody. I, I don't think I'm allowed to say who it is yet, but we have a guest coming on the show pretty soon. I was talking to about this issue. Yeah, um, I, I told him. It's funny because I, I'm like fully invested in streaming. Like I use Spotify for everything and I listen to podcasts when I'm not listening to Spotify. So mm -hmm. I, I just don't buy CDs. I don't buy digital tracks. Mm -hmm. I just don't buy music anymore, except when I'm DJing. I go over to Beatport and I buy individual tracks and I or wherever I go and I download them. And, and it's the only time I do it. And I, I told the guy, I was like, it just, it's starting to feel kind of archaic. Like it's really? to me, it is. Yeah. Because it's the only time I do it is when I'm DJing. So it's like, man, all these songs, I, I find the preview on Beatport, and then I go, this sounds pretty dope. I want to hear the whole thing. And then I go to Spotify, and there it is. Mm. So I feel like I'm adding a step and a purchase for I, something that's there already. I think my problem with that is is exactly what happened with Pulse Locker. 
Yeah, you and had, that's my fear. You had a bunch of people who went all in yeah. on this like yeah, technology we, for streaming, and now and then all of a sudden they they just shut their doors one day, and then the software doesn't work or whatever, and now everybody's going, "What the hell? I went in all in on yeah. this," and and, yeah. and even with Spotify, Spotify doesn't have everything. You know, I mean, there's a right. bunch of stuff that's not out there and and that people aren't actually uh, publishing to. And I mean, but even big stuff like it gets caught up in these huge like record company, like contractual like issues. But then like there's just a bunch of people who don't release music through the avenues that get it to Spotify. Mm. So and, and Spotify is 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 good in that you can download the music to your device but like a cash, right? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. like, you don't actually own the music, r- right? So if anything ever happens with the contractual whatever, or if they just decide, uh, you know, Trip Turlington, Trip Turlington gets seven plays, uh, every six months, <laughs> it's not worth it to have him on our servers. Well, then you know, you know yeah. there's there's yeah. just there's so many things that are outside of your hands that, you know, if, if, if what you do is dependent upon that, then you're, you're stuck like Chuck. If, if something ever happens to that platform. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not, not that I think that Apple music is going to go away anytime soon. Well, no, but, but I, I have in the, and the only reason I buy music is just for that comfort of knowing I have the music. I don't have to worry on cell signal or Wi-Fi, your know, network's getting clogged right. up. I have everything queued up. I have everything beat ma- or queued out of my queue points. Right, I have right. everything analyzed. You know, I, if I want something a little wonky or different, I can do that. Yep. And if this method of, you know, cataloging my music goes away, it uh, makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, agreed. I don't want to learn new things. The whole, <laughs> the whole concept, yeah. The whole concept of music ownership uh, continues to grow more and more nebulous. Ambiguous, yeah. yeah. And I'm not, and just so, I mean, to just follow up on and, and to counter what I just said, I'm not, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I don't buy music for my own personal listening anymore. I, I mean, I'm all in on Spotify, too. I've got a premium account. I still use Pandora for certain things. I still use... Um, uh, you know, uh, for all digitally the imported live cover band versions of songs that you love for Pandora. Actually, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I avoid that like the plague. There's two things I use Pandora for, only two, and Mo already knows one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say it, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let the guilty uh, yeah. uh, identify. Um, one is stand-up comedy. Mm. You can type in any given. Uh, stand-up comic into Pandora and then they build you an entire like you know channel of comedians of like all of the like short clips from all of their different CDs. Oh, cool. Yeah, so like that's how I found Bill Burr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Bill Burr for sure. Um but then um the other <laughs> guilty pleasure that I I use Pandora <laughs> for and Spotify has not actually gotten it right yet. But I, I will also admit that I have this channel on my Pandora now as well. Hipster cocktail radio. If you're not hip, I'm telling you, just give it a chance. Yeah. Like, go out there and. But you've probably never heard of it anyway. Yeah, you've, <laughs> right, you've, you've <laughs> probably never heard of hipster cocktail radio <laughs> on Pandora. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it is in this house, anyway. but. 
So uh, how, how many hipsters does it take to screw in a light bulb? It's probably a number you've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> so what do they play? Is it like jazzy stuff or no, is it like uh, well it's it's a mixture of like a bunch of retro stuff, but like um a lot of it is like um uh loungy loungy yeah. progressive meets kind of okay. techno not techno but like i i, I don't i'm I, it's a it's it's hard to explain see, but like, see i got suckered in because i didn't know the name of it and i told uh, gina i liked it and she's like oh jimmy what's the name of this station and i was like <laughs> you're gonna make me say it you're gonna make me say it. i got suckered in yeah, yeah. um uh, like for example it's like like uh electronic music uh covers a lot of covers of like and and some originals of like you know songs that have been popular so like there's this one it's um uh chris isaac uh i don't want to fall in love um there's like this uh i'll have to look it up i'll I'll link it but i mean like if if, and that's like one of the songs that i put into spotify and said make me a radio station out of this and it didn't even get anywhere close to like (laughs) How good this other station that, that is! That one on particular Pandora. version is on, is in my pull music. Um, yeah, crate. So anyway, those are the two things that I use Pandora for. Um, so I, I'm all in on streaming as well for my own personal listening enjoyment. But when it comes to me, my craft and, and DJing and, and all of that, like I, I, I still prefer to just have it. Speaking of personal listening enjoyment, this episode of the Passionate DJ Podcast is brought to you by After Party, our monthly bonus episode. Definitely go and check that out. Uh, Available only to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, We got a couple new ones this month. Thank you guys so much for signing up. Um, That's the only place you can go to get uh, extra content that doesn't make it on the show. We um, have, you know, anything that was uh, left off the editing room floor. Ten minutes of the air horn. Ten minutes of the air horn. (laughs) 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 Definitely go check that out at (laughs) patreon.com forward slash passionate DJ. Do we have another B-Funk question? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Let's see. What is the style of music you were into that you were no longer into? Did the music change or did you change? Ooh, good one. There was a brief period where I liked happy hardcore. Get out of my house. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Real brief. I'm talking like maybe six weeks. I I mean, I had. (laughs) Weeks? Are you serious? I had a moment. Yeah, like there was like that one weekend. Where, like, <laughs> Man, um, I don't want to say that I'm I'm not 
well, not into is because I still listen to a lot of everything. Um, I just I just try and listen to everything now, especially you know as I when mm-hmm. I talked about a few episodes ago how I was in that techno rut and that was all I was listening to. Um, back in the mid '90s, a good friend of mine, a few friends of mine were in a car accident and they passed away, and that's when I started listening to country, and I listened to it for. Uh, a good couple few years or whatever and I just completely I, I liked it and I still do I still listen to that that some of that country from that time but I just stopped listening to it I stopped listening to it completely um, I don't say it's because I got older I just was in a different time in my life and yeah. other music was a, was influencing me that time in my life you know so saying not into it I don't think I'm not into it I just you know, it's not, it's part not, of your it's life not my anymore. part of my life, yeah. you yeah. know, and even when I, it had been so long when we did, um, country night lights with prime social group in Athens. And it was, um, like Jake Owen, Brett Eldridge, the brothers Osborne's a lot of the newer country that's out right now. I was going to say who? really, yeah. right, right. <laughs> I didn't know who any of these guys were. Right. They were good, but it was real poppy sounding. It yeah, wasn't like yeah. the, the country that, that I knew. So, um, but yeah, that's probably one style that I was into for a few years, you know. But for I, for me, I I I don't think there's anything that I've ever been into that I'm not specifically into. Like for me, I'm cyclical, so like mm. I'll I'll come and go out of certain genres. Like you know, at some point I'll get sick of drum and bass, and then like I'll I'll like go back to like. 90s alternative rock or yeah. something like that and then like from there then I'll hear something that's a little bit edgier or a little bit more metal and then uh, next thing I know I'm back into like industrial music and then <laughs> you know keep you know going through the phases until I get back to you know different things that I'm into that's more modern um but yeah in terms of anything that I've just dropped like, oh, no, I just I can't listen to that anymore. The closest I would say that I would come to that is trance. Mm. Um, and it's not that I don't like it. It's I think trance know, I, has just changed I, I, I from they, what we knew it as. Exactly. Like for for like modern, like this, the whole side trance thing. Mm-hmm. Like I just I, I, I've known about that for a while and every bit of it that I've ever tried to listen to. I just it, it wasn't the same thing. So I never like latched on to it. But even when you're talking about like, you know, your super saw crazy, mm-hmm. you know, heavy pads and keys and all that stuff, like all the super crazy layers and flangers. Um, <laughs> 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 but uh you know the the late '90s through early to mid 2000s trance. Uh, you know I, I was into it for a specific period of time. It was what was really popular. You know we got really popular with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, over time it just it did. It seemed to get a little too paint by numbers. Mm-hmm. There were it, there didn't seem to be any any real uh, ingenuity or any kind of like. Um, there, it, it, there wasn't much that seemed very original about it. Nobody was pushing any envelopes in like the sound design or anything like that. So it was literally just everybody was putting out a 10 minute track of, you know, some basic chord progression with a bunch of super saws and, yeah. uh, almost, you know, that got boring. I almost feel that's where like 
then the EDM, all that, all that stuff that's out now mm-hmm. is kind of structured like trance was for us back right, then. I agree. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it had Very that templated template. Yeah, it had that breakdown and that build Formulaic. and that yeah, you know, and yeah. the drop as everybody knows it as. I guess. Right, right. Um, and the yeah. big synths, it's got those now. The yeah. big mm-hmm. super saws and all that stuff right. found their way right back in. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, and as quickly as I say that, like I said, around two thousand three, four, five ish is when I, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's when, you know, I pretty much all but stopped buying trance. Yeah. You know? I mean, I I would find an occasional track here and there that I liked, and I would pick them up, but. That's when I was moving into like tech house and, and all of that kind of yeah, stuff. I followed the, the global underground. Mm-hmm. The, right. Like when Sasha and Digweed started doing the right. global underground and they started getting a little darker and a little, right. you know, that's the path that, I mean, a lot of us probably all follow. Right. Which, know. which led us, you know, that path led more to techno yeah. than anything. Yep. Um, but so like now, you know, I can dust off all the, you know, trance classics that, you know, we, got popular with mm-hmm. and I still enjoy those. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like it, you can put three drives on a vinyl grease 2000 on a loop for the rest of my life and I'll be happy, you know, but I find when I go back and listen to those songs that I feel like I need to do like 12 lines of Coke to, <laughs> to be on the same speed. You know what I mean? I'm like, was it really this yeah, fast? Yeah. Holy moly. I was, I was thinking that my, myself the other day, I was listening to just some old stuff and I was like, holy shit. Remember when 140 was normal? Right. Holy right. God. <laughs> God. I, started getting, <laughs> yeah, I started getting anxiety. I was like, oh, God, this is too fast. No way, man. Like, that that stuff was insane. I, I remember, what was that? Was it a UK label, a Nucleus? Nucleus? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I man. still got a bunch. All, all of their stuff was, like, super, like, like 145. Yes. Some of it got up to, like, 150, and you're like, Flying Rhino? <laughs> Flying Rhino was insane. Jesus yeah, Christ, man. man. It was crazy. Like, I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I trance, yeah, that seems like a good go-to only because um, I didn't, I, I never rejected trance, but I probably had the most drastic shift from trance is all that matters right now right. to meh, like really, right. really quickly. Right. Um, but I, you know, we mentioned the, the, the BPM thing. I always find like I I find myself going back to trance roots, even if I'm not playing trance. I'm like, oh, this reminds me of that trancey feeling, right? Or this reminds me of those pads that I used to have in those trance songs. I'm always reaching into those to that grab bag, right? So I I feel like I'm still connected to that sound in a way, even though I don't listen to like a state of trance every week, right? You know right. I mean? You know, and and kind of going back to what you were saying about that bedrock sound, you know, the the Sasha the digweed the global undergrounds and stuff like that sound especially like now is is starting to resurface back in in like your your modern techno and tech house yeah um i I was just listening to a guy i know i'm gonna i'm just gonna butcher his name but enrico sanguilano or something like that okay or san giuliano maybe um and he had one called uh Ex-pollination. Uh, I'm gonna call it cross-pollination. I think is what it was intended to be, uh, you know, stand for. And I mean, everything about that track. I'll link that one too. But everything about that track, I have not been able to take it out or take it off of uh, repeat all week. It's what I listen to in the car, and it's and I mean, everywhere I'm going, it's driving. It's got that real, you know, driving mm. kick to it. You know that that kind of up 
swing kind of bass line to it but then like it's got all the like real dark techie kind of sounds to it and then just random like synth sounds that just kind of come out of nowhere boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Ooh, that was good <laughs> Ooh, that was good so glad as much as people used to bitch about it back in the, like the earlier like the pre-facebook days of like forums and talking about right. this stuff yeah i'm so glad that 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 oompa baseline is back there yeah. right it's right. have you noticed that or is that yes. just me that's bad that shit's back yeah people figured out how to it's do in techno it now. compression like yeah it's in techno now but yeah. it's there yeah and like it's so simple but it's just it's so effective because the way i like to mix is by like letting a lot of that stuff play out over time and layering right. them and when you have like key match tracks you get a lot of stuff to play with when it right. when the baseline isn't you know changing key all the time yep. it's just staying real steady and i'm yep. like oh man there it is i didn't think it was coming back <laughs> right yeah everybody figured out how to use a side chain compression yeah. uh, method so <laughs> <laughs> um, we could pull, pull another B-Funk, and Mo, would you mind to check our ambassadors? This comes from DJ Serato out of Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, hey. What type of guys are you? Beer, whiskey, or wine? I'm wine. I, I can't get into wine. Really? Uh, Wait, I've, Tony, I've you're tried. red or red? You're red, dude, um, aren't uh, you? Um, Being Italian. Blend. Okay. Like a blend. Oh, like hybrids? Yeah. I got some for you, dude. Yeah. You need to come over for dinner. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not really, to be honest, I'm not a big anything when it comes to alcohol. Same. I never have been. I mean, I'll drink a vodka and pineapple juice or I will drink a Jameson and Sprite, you know, or I will drink a glass of wine. But that's really, I'm not, I've never been a big beer guy. Never been yeah. a big beer guy. I think I'll go whiskey because I like scotch. Mm. So I do drink scotch. Nice. Um... Like dark beer, though, too. Uh, I, I like a dark beer on occasion. So, like, you know, uh, for me, like, St. Patrick's Day, you know, I'll do, like, a Guinness Extra Stout or yeah, something right. like that. Uh, but uh, my everyday drinking beers are Miller Lite and Rolling Rock. Mm. Uh, nice and simple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I can't appreciate... You know, certain craft beers, what I don't like is IPAs. I can't... Same. I, I can't deal with too that. Too bitter, too... Suck it on a, a bar of soap or something. Yeah. But uh, I, I'd say for... I, I'd say for my 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 current lifestyle, I, I, I haven't been drinking nearly as much for the past few years. Um, and now with, you know, my, my diet and everything, I, I've have pretty much switched back to gin anytime i've ever been a um, and a, a, a liquor drinker it's yeah. always been either vodka or gin but and vodka's okay but i really like gin that's why i brought I, you that's why i brought you that delicious beverage i'm glad yes. to yes. hear that because I, I always say gin everyone goes oh i no, am yeah. And it, which I don't get. Now, I got that big 750 of Hendrix sitting on my piano oh, yeah. at, at any given time i mean it's not i don't do shots of gin but right. i don't know no, no, <laughs> you know it, i have yeah, like a gin and seven or something like that. Right, you know? gin and tonic. Uh, yeah. Well, and now right now because of the whole keto thing, I have to do gin and club soda. But yeah. I mean, it, yeah, a couple of limes and I'm good to go. Yeah. 
Yeah, for for me, it's a uh, yeah dark beer, definitely, and uh, absolutely scotch. And we might need to include a picture of my piano. That's Get, right. Because, oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm pretty serious when it comes to the alcohol. Not yes. a no, not a normal piano. <laughs> no, not at no. all. <laughs> Let's see here. We need to reinstate uh, fence beers. Yeah, yeah, summer. yeah. The weather is uh, it's oh, going to be good for that. I do have a summer beer, uh, Land Shark. Oh, yeah, yeah. Corona-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Um, another one from Brandon. Is DJing getting older or younger age-wise? Young. Compared to 5, 10, 20 years ago, specifically the people playing the music. I tend to think younger, but I might have a skewed perspective on that because we have a lot of incoming traffic from new DJs. I mean, I started when I was... Uh, it depends on what you mean by younger. Younger than we are now or younger than when you start, when he started. I know that I started... You were in junior high, high, right? Yeah, I was... First time I touched a turntable was like... At fourteen or fifteen years old, and there probably there weren't a lot of DJs younger than you. Then no, that. but now that DJing is actually the new rock star in a sense, you know, um, and it's as popular as it is now, and it commercializes it is now. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of younger kids. And we've got all these five year old uh, YouTube DJ superstars too. Yeah, you know? so you got that effect right. as well. I, uh, it's I, just more glorified now, so everybody's kind of getting into it and. It's so, cool. Yeah, I would yeah. definitely say that there's a lot more people getting into it at a younger age right now. Yeah. But I think there's a lot more getting into it at an older age to go back to Chuck's thing at the beginning as well. Mm-hmm. So I almost think like there's always been a solid core of like 20-somethings that get into this or mm-hmm. like late teens. But right. like I think you're seeing a lot of like tweens and like 50 60 year old people getting into this at least that's maybe that's just my observation because i pay attention now to that whereas i wouldn't have before but i see that all the time it's because it's like video games it's just normal to have you know my dad and my grandpa play video games now you know whereas a couple you know a generation ago that would have been a weird thing to say right right i think there's a lot of guys out there like me that you know took that break and coming back to it but then i think also there's another group of people in that same demographic that are getting into it for the first time because now the kids are gone they got a stable job and they have disposable income that they can afford to spend yeah. you know a couple well, not you don't even have to spend a couple thousand anymore but you know but have the ability to go and buy all the necessary kit to make a nice ba- uh, basement set up so dj booth is the new man cave <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've been seeing a lot of those pictures the number know. one dj in the world is what 21 or is he not even twenty one? He, he can't even drink, right? Martin Garrix. Let yeah. me uh, let me look him up. Yeah, real quick. he I might think be twenty one by now. Yeah, I never realized how young he was until Tony had mentioned it uh, up. in one of the shows recently. Yeah, he's twenty one. He was born in nineteen ninety six. Jeez, oh Pete's. It's the year I graduated high school. <laughs> I was already out for. <laughs> I'll just stay out. Stay out of that one. (laughs) (laughs) David was in eighth grade. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Um, Barry asks, the dilemma I'm facing is how to fill the room with an audience. How do you get that event filled with people who want to have a good time? Mm. Yeah, that is the uh, never-ending struggle, isn't it? Right, right. Depends on the event. Depends on... Uh, your area, your demographic. I mean, there, there's a lot of factors there. I struggle with this because I know that 
what promoters often look at, Tony, you're welcome to confirm or deny this, is the the numbers and the amount of people that they think that name is going to bring and their social media following and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, I feel like it's, it's kind of not really the DJ's responsibility to fill a room unless they are a headliner talent that is selling a ticket. That's that's where a lot of lines have kind of blurred over the years, I guess, yeah. because it, 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 it was always a promoter, but now it's also when the promoter books a DJ, he expects the DJ to have, or he or she, sorry, um, expects, you know, how many followers do you have? Like, I look at it differently. I don't want to speak on behalf of everybody, but I, I like to go towards numbers, but I also like talent as well. I just don't yeah. want some guy because he's got 5,000 fucking Facebook friends or Instagram But you care followers. about your overall brand too. Yeah, Whereas absolutely. some people just care about selling a ticket that week. Right, and that's a lot of it. That's what a lot of it uh, plays into that. A lot of it plays into that, you know? It's like repeat and stutter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Whose responsibility is it to fill the room? I the think promoters, 100%. Okay. Um, but the, the promoter also has to pick the right lineup, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and some of that stuff does play a role. The followers, the, the media push you're going to get from the DJ. It definitely plays a huge role. Do you look at the following, like demographic-wise? Um, not really. And that's, that's a whole nother thing. I mean... Obviously, you have these people that are buying buying followers, right? Okay. So you see said act that has 50,000 followers. There's times where I will go in. If they throw a post up and 300 people look at it, you know, you go in, you look at some of those followers, and if some of those followers have one friend or 10 friends in one picture okay. post, you, you know, know they're, that they're a bot. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? You know those were all bought. Um, but on a, on a local level... It, Start your following with your with your friends. I mean, if you want, start like throw a little house party and see what you can kick off from that house party. Are there any easy wins or small tricks we can give here to help fill a room, even if we're looking at it from a promoter's perspective? Maybe we take a step back and look at this from a more of a top level. Um, what do you do at Three Dimensional, Tony, to make sure that people coming keep coming back to your shows? Why do people go to Three Dimensional shows? Um, I can tell you why I go, but why do you think and what what do you go for there? Um, I let's see. That's a that's a really really good question. Um, I want to make sure that when everybody walks into the club, they're not worried about what's going on outside of the club. Whether you know what I mean, I don't want them to worry about any of the worries that they have going on in their life. I want them to come in. I want it to be great vibes, good smiles, great music, and talent. You know, um, I, I, I just I've always liked throwing parties, man, and I'm um, I'm very big on um, every, from the point you walk in. You know, the first person that you see at the door. You know, you need to be greeted with a smile. You, you, um, man, I. I could go on for days about this question, and it's a really good question. I want to think about a bunch of things to say about that. So, but as far as our shows are concerned, three dimensional, I just—it's it, all about the vibe, man. I want everybody to have a good time. 
like most of all their best behavior, <laughs> you know, in a sense. Um, it's just, I don't know, man. It's Well, I, I like that answer. I, like, I know that you're struggling to put it into words, yeah, but yeah. Th- what I like about that is everything that you said had to do with the experience of the patron or the person walking in the door and not with, you didn't say anything about who the headline act was mm-hmm. or any of that kind of stuff, which obviously plays a role. Right, but it's a huge role. Getting the right headliner is going to get your your one event full, mm-hmm. but giving somebody a memorable experience is going to get them to come back the next time. Right, and so then you get the snowball effect of that momentum. Like you know, we've talked about this before. I go to every three dimensional show. I mean, because I know that there's going to be something there for me and I'm going to have that experience. You have a lot of people that go to club shows that's never heard of a Green Velvet. Green Velvet's not a household name. Josh Wink is not a household name. But if you have people that that are coming to the show that bring friends that like the overall experience and have a good time, they'll come back no matter who the next DJ is, you know? Kind of like that Dirty Bird effect that Trip talked about in the last Mm -hmm. show. Yep. For me, even though I've been to... Well, well, the last, what, five or six uh, 3DM shows, in being a part of those shows, you know, at least with the last four, thing, something I think about is professionalism. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, you know, I'm part of it. I sit there and I look around and I want to try and help be part of that event to make it look pristine. You know, for our small town of Dayton, mm-hmm. you bring in these global acts and everything's on time, everything's smooth. You know, the... The, whenever I look at the artists as they come into the booth, they, they look excited to be there. Like, yeah, you know, I just remember when Dom from Stanton Warriors walked in the booth. I remember he walked in, he just sort of like scanned the room, and he sort of just got this little smile, and nodded his head. I was like, that's the shit right there that's going to get people to want to come back here and play for us. You know, and that's and that's the word that comes to my mind when I think of 3DM. So also piggybacking off Tom's question about the man- manager, DJ Soretto also asked, uh, do virtual assistants really help? well and i you know he he asked for pros and cons i'm thinking about hiring one to help me with my dj stuff last month i had 11 gigs this month i have nine gigs i work a day job have a house a wife and kids and dogs birds etc i don't even know what i like to do anymore except dj and dj related things because my time is so concentrated on djing yeah i hear that Problem. I think that, that kind of time goes management. Back thing. to my comment: you know, Can you afford to pay someone to do the shit you don't want to do? Yeah. So, so let's let's be clear for our listeners who who might not know what we're even talking about. Uh, a VA or a virtual assistant is basically somebody who you pay, typically part time, to work for you as an assistant remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, they often will be not even in the same state or even the same country as you. Uh, here in the States, it's popular to have a virtual assistant in the Philippines because the the pay uh, translates well yeah. and they you, you know will, will speak perfectly good English. So if they need to interact with people, you know, uh, customers or something, you know, there's no language barrier or yeah. stuff like that. Um, so this is popular in, say, internet marketing circles, uh, call centers, call centers, people who work for themselves, you know, solopreneurs, um, stuff like that, because it's cheaper than hiring an employee or mm-hmm. having a manager in this case. I think this would be kind of taking the place of a manager. Difference being, obviously, um, 
a VA is not going to be specialized in the art of wheeling and dealing within the music industry yep. necessarily. A VA is usually somebody you train to do specific tasks like um, – I need you to do keyword research for this blog post I'm writing mm-hmm. or, or something like that. And then you train them how to do that and, and, and so on. Um, so I don't know if it would make a good replacement for that. But I think uh, Serato is asking about, you know, he, he uses this in a, a mobile scenario. So he's got, he's handling clients and, you know, doing the bookkeeping and, and yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, if you're comfortable with, that type of setup, and and I personally have not. I've looked into VAs before. Um, I've had a lot of good reasons to look into them, but I've never actually hired one. Um, my wife is starting to look in that too. Be, uh, look into that as well because she's uh, doing a lot with the realtor stuff mm-hmm. and having trouble keeping up with that. Um, so I wish I had some firsthand experience to bring in to that. But if you're comfortable with that scenario, um, it really is a a much cheaper way to get some help with yeah. anything <laughs> that you need done. Yeah, I think for me, just with as many balls as I'm juggling right now, I, I would I, balls. I would, balls. <laughs> I would be willing to spend the money just to manage my social media stuff. I mean, not that yeah. I'm a big brand or anything, but I, you know, I have the breast cancer fundraiser. I have my DJ stuff. Mm-hmm. I have my CrossFit stuff. Just to have someone to to schedule posts for me and take care of right. that, I would be willing to pay. A small amount of money for that. Yeah, well, and, and yeah, this is probably something you've started to look into as a con- you're a content creator now. Yeah, so you understand like uh, this is kind of common and and that kind of that's when I say internet marketing. That's kind of what I was getting at is like uh, you know podcast hosts, yeah. YouTubers, bloggers. Uh, all, you know, once you create a piece of content, people don't realize that there's so much, much behind it yeah. else right. there. There's the planning that goes into that, the outlining it, the yeah. uh, recording or writing of it, and then there's all the promotion. Yeah. You know that comes afterwards, and when you don't want to spend all your time promoting content, you want to spend your time creating, creating it, content, yeah. and that's where a VA comes in. Um, I would love to know if DJ Serato gives it a shot. What his experience you know how that goes because that's a topic i'm also very interested in but i can't bring any personal experience into not that me either um, not at all have you guys had any experience with assistance like a direct assistance in your careers or no anything like that? Really. i have in my career yeah. and it was nice just to have someone to basically keep me keep me on you know keep me on the map on the map yeah. Like, hey, you know, you got an appointment here, you got this and that, oh, so-and-so, they canceled this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just kind of having someone keep me in the know and making sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Just And even like if I had to draft something, hey, can you take a look at this and just tighten it up for me? Uh, it, it was a huge blessing to have somebody that had that capacity. But, but also I worked so closely with that person, they knew what I needed to accomplish. So there wasn't a lot of training involved with that individual. Because they were, I mean, in the military organization, they, they understood what my role was. So they knew, because I was just someone that came in and out of that, of that position. And she had been there for for a decade. So, you know, it, in, in essence, she knew what I needed to do. And I, and I needed to, you know, to make sure I took care of her. Because otherwise, because she could have she, she totally destroyed me if I was a total asshole. But, you know, <laughs> right. I understood how that dynamic worked. But, yeah, it, it was very nice having someone to do the the grunt work, I, you know, for lack of a better term. Okay. Um, 
I think we're probably running towards the end here, so I want to make sure we get in a couple more of these uh, good B-Funk questions here to wrap up with. Um, we'll take this one. Prodigy or Chemical Brothers? Damn. Right? <sighs> Which, uh, okay. Yeah, Prodigy. There's, You're already trying two, to qualify. Well, there's two distinct to. iterations of, of Prodigy. Though. Yeah, yeah. So, like, are we talking, like... Specific album for album, or it, the the projects in total. Hmm. Body of yeah, body of work, or because all, all it, I said because, was Prodigy and Chemical Brothers. Okay, so I the, guess we have to take the whole body. body of okay, work. because otherwise I'd have two answers. Okay, because if you're talking about Prodigy's Fat of the Land versus everything, then yeah, hands Fat down. of the Land. <laughs> but like, um. And voodoo people before it, you know, but um, but when you talk about entire body of work, I think I feel like Chemical Brothers yeah. beats out Prodigy over the longevity, mm -hmm. uh, over the the That's entire fair. breadth of their yeah. of their uh, career. I totally agree with that because, like, all I mean, I'm sorry. As much as I love Prodigy, especially early Prodigy, like I just when it, it was more it, poppy UK stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, Fat of the Land, that that, that that didn't leave a CD player for like months yeah. at a time. <laughs> like it was just like, yeah, that that got played on repeat on repeat. Yep. Like yeah, um, you know, still randomly, I'll be walking, you know, somewhere at work, you know, going from one one meeting room to another, and I'll be all like, smack my bitch up. Oh wait, <laughs> can't say that at work. But Chemical Brothers, yeah. Somebody says Chemical Brothers. Yeah, I th I think um, I think I like that answer. I'm just gonna let that stand. That's that's a good way to put it. Um, okay, let's uh, let's wrap up with this one. This is a final one from B Funk. What's a lie about the industry or DJing that you believed when you started? What's a truth that stayed true? I think my answer is the same for both. Okay. That anybody can make it. Interesting. Damn, mic drop. I thought I was going to get tons of chicks. <laughs> Didn't work out for <laughs> Didn't you? Didn't work out so well. I guess I would say um, I, I probably anything, you know, this is one of my personal hobby horse things, but anything that's like uh, in order to be a real DJ, you have to mm. X or Y. Yeah. You have to play this format or that style of music or use my pet software or whatever. Right. I would have to say that it a lie is that it's easy. Mm. Good one. I yeah, I never had anyone tell me it was easy. I mean, you, you get all these com you don't, but I mean comments just button oh, pushers, you mean, button pushers, you know, button yeah. pushers, you know. Yeah, I mean, go to any guitar center forum. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It's it's really about. I just had a conversation with with somebody today about it. Like it's it's really about rocking the party, yeah. and that's what it's always been about. You know what I mean? Being no the matter amateur if you're, psychologist. No matter if you're segueing or not. You know, if you get on the mic and and go over that segue and don't have to mix and you rock that fucking party, you rock the party. Yeah. You know, back then they didn't they didn't mix back then. You know, no. I when I say back then, like 
like 60s, 70s, but DJs rocked parties, man. Yeah. Grandmaster Flash rocked parties. They were the, the party, transition. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just a scratch here, a scratch there, and, you know, yeah. playing some breaks back to back to back. And he wasn't like, compare him to Qbert or Craze or anybody today. It's, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not easy, you know? Well, speaking of back in the day, join us next week for pick three, which will be a back in the day edition. But for now, this has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. Take care. Later. Easy. If you if you're watching the following, isn't that a Kevin Kevin Bacon Bacon <laughs> thing? <laughs> Dude, just uh, me and Stace were laughing about that for like half an hour. <laughs> I hope everybody caught that blooper a couple weeks ago. Uh, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Um, Kevin Bacon. Yeah, but uh, I, I, I everybody I that was listening was like. Bacon. Bacon. Well, it was a Kevin Bacon weekend, dude.